You've done a great job putting those together and pulling stuff out of uh, <laughs> we typically can't put <laughs> put into the show. Like that right there. <laughs> See, there's your cold open for this show. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Damn It, Jim, the podcast. It's our end of the season review for season one of Star Trek, the original series. My name is Dana Smith, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Dan Calzaretta. Good evening, Dan. Dana, we did it. A whole season under our belts. There was times I wasn't sure we were going to make it. Usually during an episode when I was uh, laughing or having trouble believing what uh, how the uh, ramble jar was filling up. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's true. Hopefully our listeners had more faith in us than maybe we even had in ourselves. <laughs> One of the great things, speaking of listeners, I think, is that we, we've gotten a lot of good feedback. Yeah, we really have. And a lot of support. We've had people that have said they would rather listen to us than watch some of the episodes. I think that's a good thing, right? Well, for us, a lot of people say that they weren't into Star Trek as much before but they're really enjoying uh, what we're bringing out about the show and how we look at it. To me, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, I agree with you. So Dan, as a wrap up to this season, we were going to do a couple of interviews. We've got one in the can, as it were. Uh, We talked to Steve Miller, a former council person from Riverside, Iowa. He's the one that came up with the idea for declaring Riverside, Iowa, the future birthplace of Captain James T. Kirk. We're going to debut that interview next week. We're going to also be talking to Travis Riggin, chairman of the Trek Fest Committee. In three weeks, we'll be starting in on season two. So we're just jam-packed with fun and adventure here. The interview with Steve Miller is fascinating. Now, again, this isn't Steve Miller of the Joker fame. And when I say the Joker, I don't mean the movie. I mean the (laughs) musician. Maybe people don't know Steve Miller anymore. Do you think people know Steve Miller? I sure hope so. Steve, the Steve Miller band. Yeah, Steve Miller band. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this other Steve Miller was more fascinating of an interview, I'm sure, (laughs) uh, than the Steve Miller band, Steve Miller. The stories he told about how he came up with the idea, uh, the history behind it, a bunch of crazy stuff that happened along the way. Story is just fascinating. I think people will love it. It's going to be fun. So make sure to tune in next week for that interview. Dan, looking back... We did 29 episodes. We even threw in a uh, Thanksgiving special. Uh, We expanded upon our list, our uh, counts. We learned a lot about the whole process. I like to think we got better. (laughs) You'd hope so. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have to see if anybody agrees with us. Yeah. We have developed a loyal following. If we miss a week or the show comes out late, uh, people complain and actually uh, email us. I think that's a good sign. We're headed in the right direction. Let's get into uh, some of our favorite moments of uh, season one. Let's start off with... uh, The best and worst episodes. Yeah, why don't you get us started, Dana? (laughs) That's funny. I was going to ask you to get us started. (laughs) Well, how about you go and then I'll go. And (laughs) I know it wasn't the first episode that actually aired, uh, but it was the uh, second pilot. There's something about this episode I just love. It's uh, where no man has gone before. Look at it, kind of sets everything in motion. Many of the characters, including Spock, are still being developed. McCoy wasn't in that episode. 
the the sci-fi premise that it had was interesting. I totally agree with you. You know, the where it had rough edges, it was really because, as you said, the ideas were still being developed. The relationships between the characters were still, that was all still being developed. You know, while the show may have been not the best, it really had the outline for what we were going to see as the show progressed. Definitely. So how about you, Dan? Well, I think we each came up with three. Um, you know, this, this, what is the favorite thing I always have a hard time with? You know, what's my favorite movie? What's my favorite song? What's, I think coming up with more than one made it easier for me. <laughs> so the, the first of three, and I don't know if this is in any specific order, but it was The Naked Time. That was the episode where the guy goes down to the planet, scratches his nose. Underneath his personal protective equipment, which is a big no-no. Yeah. And it looked like a shower curtain. Actually, it wasn't. It was it a shower was curtain. It was a shower curtain. Yeah. It was a shower curtain. Yeah. Brought something up to the ship that infected everybody and they all went a little crazy kind of their inhibitions were totally lowered and uh, the part with sulu you know in the fencing sword uh going about the ship uh, that was great uh i loved riley and his singing in the <laughs> in engineering and i thought sulu the character of sulu in that episode was just fantastic i loved it how about another one for you you, you gotta go with khan and uh the space seed khan is just such a great villain you know, and and I remember that when the movie came out, Wrath of Khan, yeah. I had never seen that episode. I, and I thought I had seen all the episodes. Thankfully, one of the channels was re-airing that episode and I, I caught it and then went and saw the movie a few days later. And uh, wow, it just it all tied together so perfectly. So it's kind of like a, a great memory for me leading into uh, The Wrath of Khan. Just I, I like the way it was developed, uh, his whole persona, a great adversary for Kirk. Yeah, that's on my list as well. Uh, how could it not be really on anyone's list in that first season? It's just an amazing episode. Even if The Wrath of Khan never came out, this would have been a great standalone episode, I think. Oh, um, yeah. You know, as you said, kind of that battle of wills between Khan and Kirk is great. Ricardo Montalban, I don't think you can say enough about him as the actor in this episode. He was just fantastic. And, you know, when they filmed The Wrath of Khan, I, at first I thought, this guy's got to have like a chest prosthetic because that cannot be that guy's. He's old. It can't be his real chest. That guy was, that guy was kind of, you know, ripped. Yeah. No, he stayed in good shape. Something I need to work on, you know, so I can have a, <laughs> a con chest, you know, so when we go to, uh, we go to one of these Trek Fest things, I can uh, dress up as con and uh, reveal the uh, massive chest that I've developed. <laughs> well, Dana, it might be more the, the rap. What would it be? The wrath of... <laughs> The Wrath of Flan. Have you, have you had Flan? I love Flan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That would, I can't think of anything else that rhymes. What else rhymes with Khan? That could be the Wrath of. Yeah, I don't know. I was thinking of Wrath of Beer Gut, but it was... Well, that's... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> Both of us. Yeah. So, How about another no, one for you? A Taste of Armageddon. Uh, the idea of kind of like a safe war where culture stays intact. Uh, now the buildings are destroyed, but people still die. Kind of blew my mind. How about you, Dan? What's your last one? Well, again, I don't think any list for me anyway of the first season would be complete without the city on the edge of forever. Time travel just fascinates me. I, I love all kinds of time travel fiction. And you know, that idea of how one seemingly small event can change all of history. So um, oh, yeah. that, that was part of it. The other part was the writing. 
I just thought there were some epic and timeless themes and also lines from that show. It was one I had in my original list and uh, and then I, I took it out. Everybody seems to love this episode. Uh, yeah. our, the people that uh, we follow and that uh, follow us on Facebook all comment about this episode all the time and how they just think it's one of the best. And like you, I like time travel. It's a great concept. They did it a slightly different way. But again, that whole drop of pebble in a in a pond and it causes ripples across the whole pond. Thought-provoking. It was fun, interesting, and there's a love story to boot. Let's move on. What's uh I hate to think of worst episodes. So let's say what are some of the not of the best episodes? in uh, the first season. And why don't you start us off on this one, Dan? Yeah, I'll call this one the worst one, Dana. I don't have any problem calling it the worst <laughs> one. Piece of Schmidt, as we've called it many times. <laughs> the alternative factor, it was stupid, <laughs> stupid, stupid. It just had nothing redeeming about it except for how stupid it was. I mean, it was fun is to that, watch. Is that it. a redeeming quality, being stupid? I well, guess. I think it was because it gave us a lot to laugh at, to really pick apart. But yeah, for me, the alternative factor, absolutely. And I have no problem calling it the worst. How about for you? Well, I'm right there with you on the alternative factor. It's not an alternative. It, it's just a bad episode. Just seemed like it wasn't well-conceived. I think somebody had an idea of an idea and they tried to run with it. Didn't get very far. <laughs> just, uh, just, it's a hard show to really appreciate. I think I liked it as a kid, but you know, looking at it as an adult, you're, you're kind of like, not the best. I, I think about this a lot. The Enterprise did not play a huge role in that story. I mean, not till the very end when they blew up his ship. Yeah, it could have been a lot better. Interestingly, though, Dana, we had some feedback and some comments on Facebook where people really, some people did like this episode, especially oh, yeah. the ending line, you know, what of Lazarus, what of Lazarus. Maybe when the writer came up with the show, that was the line and they, they tried to build <laughs> the show around it, raising it from the dead. Yeah, they should have let that thing just die. I don't argue with people that like the show. I mean, I could. Because <laughs> you know, yeah, they're wrong. <laughs> well, we beat that show up enough when uh, we watched it. So <laughs> we did. How about another one for you? That uh, was the last episode of the season, Operation Annihilate. And this one I wouldn't say I hated, as I hated the alternative factor. I just thought it was really kind of plodding and slow and forgetful. I think I liked it better than you. Mostly I liked the uh, the flying one-celled creatures. Oh, yeah, those uh, are good. Yeah, so, I like those too, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, like I said, uh, I didn't hate it. I, I just yeah. thought it was kind of slow. Kirk's mustache, though, that was pretty. That was, that was a pretty good piece of it. Practically a character unto itself. And the whole thing about, you know, trying to find Pierre, his toupee artist. That, <laughs> that was good. I forgot about Pierre. Yeah. But the show itself, yeah, was just a little, a little slow. How about for you, another one that you maybe didn't like as much as you like some others? Squire of Gothos. Not a horrible show. There's some great moments in it. What kills it for me was the ending with the Supreme Being parents admonishing their petulant child. Kind of killed it for me. And then there was also the special effects sound when uh, Kirk broke the mirror and went bing, ting, ting. Sound like something from the Batman TV show. It was you bad. Know, so. Yeah, that was bad too. Yeah. And people talk about, you know, well, is this the predecessor to Q in the next generation? And and I, I see that and that I'm curious. I would love to know if there was a connection there. I've never read anything that says there was. A lot of talk online, you know, people 
are saying that's the truth. But yeah, I, I don't know. That show just didn't do a lot for me. Before we watched this episode, I, I was thinking about that show and, and remembering, oh, I really liked that episode. And then I watched it again. I was like, yeah, I didn't really like it as much as I thought I did. You know? <laughs> yeah. But there were some cool things in it. Um, remember the uh, Big Bird on Meth? That was from that episode. Oh, yeah, that's right. And he also had the salt creature. He did. In there, the salt sucker. Yep, the salt sucker. Yeah, that's right. Moving on, we've talked about best episodes and worst episodes, or maybe not the best episodes. How about a villain? Do you have a favorite villain? I'm going to go with Harcourt Fenton Mud, <laughs> and mostly because I think the guy's hilarious. I really like that character, and he's funny, uh, but he's also kind of treacherous at the same time. You know, he he's going to kill everyone on the Enterprise. I mean, that's, you know, probably as, as treacherous as you can get, but uh, he had a great mustache, better than the Sam Kirk mustache. Uh, I, I really like that character. How about for you? I go back to Khan. Uh, he's a strong, evil presence, uh, a great character. And then if not him, I would choose the uh, salt-sucking creature. Good, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a really hard to argue with either of those, that's for sure. Yeah, but you never see a costume like that, like the salt-sucker again. Yeah, it's probably and, good uh, that you don't. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that you know, I mean, because uh, all the aliens and stuff are human-looking mostly in, yeah. in so many of these things. And you don't see anything that's kind of scary like that was. Right. I mean, a pretty ugly face and not what I was expecting. Yeah. And I love the hands on it where it had those like suckers on the hand. Yeah. And it would stick to people's faces. And yeah, that was, uh, I did like that creature. Yeah. We talked about favorite villains. This might be uh, similar. Do you have a favorite alien? Uh, I think this counts, Dana. You're going to have to uh, either let me know that this counts or that I got to take it off my list. But in The Man Trap, very first episode, you might recall that Sulu had a hobby of being a botanist, right? And so he's in the botany lab and one of his plants, what was his name? Gertrude? Was that the name of the plant? Gertrude? Like he said it was one thing and Rand said it was another. Yeah, that's what's confusing. I can't remember who said what. Yeah, I don't remember either, but... Uh, and the salt sucker, who is disguised now as one of the crewmen on the ship, walks in and the plant is, goes crazy, right? It's kind of screaming and, and moving around. Well, it's obvious <laughs> that this is a person's hand in a glove. It, it looks like a person's hand in a glove. It, it doesn't even really look like a plant. I'm going to say that's an alien and I'm going to say that one's my favorite one. Okay. Yeah, how about I, for you? The Horta, rock monster Probably where they got the idea for Rock Lobster, by the way. Yeah, I think you're right. (laughs) From Devil in the Dark. Again, you know, for me, it wasn't your typical humanoid alien. They uh, And then there's the whole story where they were basically killing off thousands of them because they didn't even know what they were. Pretty great concept for an alien, I thought. Yeah, I like that one as well. The design of it, how it's spelled out, no kill I. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it needed some grammar lessons, but, you know, still. Do you have any other uh, favorite aliens? I do, Dana. Uh, the Tolosians from the Menagerie, their heads, if you recall, look like huge pulsating butts. And the big veins that they had going in there look like hemorrhoids or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I really like those uh, aliens and that they were able to communicate without talking. Yeah, I like them too. And uh, only cool. after seeing the episode The Devil in the Dark could we call them Schmidt heads. <laughs> That's not going to go away. I think we're going to carry that into the second season. I think so, we have uh, to, don't you? That and stalactite <laughs> and uh, a few other things. Yeah. So uh, we'll carry it forward. Our greatest yeah. hits, Dana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all two of them. All yeah. two. <laughs> well, what about for you, another one? Baylock 
from the Corbomite maneuver. Oh, yeah. Good choice. <laughs> Both as the uh, scary looking alien and then as the scarier looking Clint Howard. Uh, <laughs> 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 with the extra bushy eyebrows and stuff and drinking the Tantra or was it Tanta or whatever? Yeah. The, what was that? The yeah. Kool-Aid drink that he had. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, wouldn't it be great to get him on the show? Uh, yeah, we, we've, <laughs> we've insulted him enough. I'm sure he would want to come on. <laughs> yeah, we, we had our, our sights set really high, right? We were like, maybe we could get JJ Abrams on. And then we're like, oh, maybe we could get William Shatner on. And then it was, maybe we could get the guy who played the kid who didn't have any lines in <laughs> Operation Annihilate. And then maybe we could get Clint How Howard. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> yeah, well, and then it's, uh, and I think he's below uh, Pierre, oh. <laughs> Shatner's toupee specialist. I yeah. think Pierre would be a fascinating, he would be number one for me, actually, right now. Yeah, might be Pierre's grandkids or something we have to talk to. But Yeah, uh, probably. But they would, I'm sure they'd have all the stories. Yeah, and maybe some of Shatner's old uh, hair pieces. <laughs> they made him into tribbles. <laughs> think I'd look good with one of Shatner's hair pieces? Yes, I do. <laughs> You'd look good with any hair piece. <laughs> look good with anything, any hair period. It's like a friend of mine saw me saw a picture of me with a beard and he said, uh, he said, You look good with a beard. And he says, The more your face is covered up, the better you look. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I think we've done the alien thing. No, no, I, I wanna... got one more. Oh, you got an, you got another one. Sorry. Yeah, I got I got one more. The Alpha one seventy seven dog. From the enemy within. <laughs> the one with the unicorn kind of thing going oh, on. The horn dog. The yeah. horn dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's one we haven't brought back, and that's one we should. So. Yeah, we should, yeah. <laughs> that dog, or two, I guess, it was it two dogs? Did they? Did we ever see both dogs in the same scene? I can't remember now. No. All right, so it was the same dog then, probably. But they killed that dog in the name of science, and I thought that was you know great for that dog to give its life. <laughs> they, they killed the evil. Well, I guess they killed both of them, but it was the evil dog. They were they didn't care if they killed or not. Yeah, that's so. right. Yeah. <laughs> so Dana, what was the last of your favorite aliens? Well, I mentioned this one uh, a little bit earlier, but uh, the uh, one-celled parasites from Operation Hyphen Annihilate. They were just unique, not a moving rock, not a, uh, a salt sucking creature, but uh, little kind of brain cell type things flying through the air that attach themselves to you and wrap their substance around your spinal cord and take over your body. They look like huge flying loogies to me, Dana. Not too far from that. Yeah. yeah. So especially when they uh, got the UV light and dissolved. So right, they really looked like that then. I appreciate non-humanoid aliens. Yeah, and I think the original series probably had more of them than follow-up series. It seems like that to me. Yeah, to me too. Yeah, so yeah, we're cruising along. So uh, all these characters that we know—Kirk, Spock, McCoy, Scotty, Uhura, Nurse Chapel—all had some great moments. Some had some not so great moments during the first season. Yeah. Let's discuss a couple of these. So do you want to start us off? Yeah. And I only did great moments, I think. I, I forgot to do the worst moments. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start off with Kirk in the city on the edge of forever. They return to the planet after they get McCoy back into the correct timeline. They all get in order to be beamed up. And then he just says, let's get the hell out of here. I just thought it was a great line and it was really well delivered. 
How about for you? There's so much to choose from here. I mean, uh, you know, I had notes on Sulu. Uh, like we had mentioned that he played a bigger role in the first season than I remembered. I thought he showed some good development as a character. But uh, I'm going to start off. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but Scotty's always the voice of doom. You know, we're about to burn up, Captain. No, oh, you know, it's uh, we're we get any closer, we're going to crash into the planet. You know, it's just and he's stating important things. At the same time, it just, you know, a little positivity, you know, yeah. just, uh, <laughs> and, and Scotty's one of my favorite characters, mm-hmm. you know, on the show. So, and I'm curious to see what they do with him in season two and see if they improve upon that at all. Got any others you want to discuss? Since you were talking about Scotty, I'll mention Scotty as well. In the naked time, if you recall, O'Reilly turns off the engines and they need to restart the engines. Kirk says, you know, we got like six minutes. And Scotty has just a great line. And he says, I cannot change the law of... Oh, God, that's a horrible Scottish accent. (laughs) He says, I cannot change the law of physics. I've got to have 30 minutes. And I just love that line of him. But I totally agree. Kind of the doom and gloom, but he always rescues them at the end, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. And I think it gets better in season two. How about another one for you? The ongoing repartee between uh, Spock and McCoy uh, seems to develop a little bit as uh, the episodes went on. You can't tell if McCoy really has something against Spock (laughs) in some of his comments uh, or if he's just being playful. Uh, There's just always like little jabs at Spock and, and, uh, and Spock has these like dry comments that usually land pretty well. Well, and, I think uh, McCoy was jealous well. because Chapel wanted Spock. Uh, and that's one of my bad points that I bring up. So <laughs> well, why don't you do that right now? <laughs> Where Spock is concerned, Chapel just turns to goo in Operation Annihilate when they're operating on Spock. She's like staring at him and just can't concentrate. McCoy is gets a little short with her and yeah. so you know, kind of like, you know, come on, either help me or get out of the room. And what do you think she was staring at? I don't know. He was uh, Lena's stomach. So <laughs> well, he was a Vulcan. You never know. Like they do have a different anatomy. Apparently. And I think she wants to learn more about his anatomy. Oh, I think so. so. Uh, yeah. I mean, that was very yeah. clear. Yeah. Very clear. Yeah. How about, do you got any more? Yeah. For Uhura, Dana, in Charlie X, it seemed to me that she probably had more screen time than any of the other episodes, it seems to me. I mean, screen time where she actually had some lines and something important to do. She wasn't just sitting in the mm-hmm. background. In the rec room, you might recall, she was singing that song and interacting with Charlie. I, I really enjoyed that that happened so early in the season, establishing this African-American woman as a very prominent character in a show at what was beginning to become the height of the civil rights movement. And here is this African-American woman with a major role on a major your television show in the United States. I agree with you. And I was hoping you were going to mention that because she's a great character. And we've pointed out several things in the episodes where she's had some great lines or just uh, uh, great reactions to things. The show wouldn't have been the same without her. Do you have one last one you want to throw in there? Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people would agree with me on this. Uh, I love Spock showing his emotional human side in uh, the side of paradise. It was fun as only Star Trek could be, you know, serious and fun at the same time. But seeing Spock laugh and smile and being in love was really pretty neat. 
Dana, a lot of the episodes that we saw in this first season, there were some backstories kind of embedded into these episodes. What were some of those favorite backstories that you had? One of the things, uh, probably more than what you're asking for, but one of the things I liked about the original series is that the backstories seemed organic to the whole story. In the original series, I thought they did a great job of just kind of incorporating things. Uh, so you didn't really notice it. it didn't stand out as much. And so I kind of had to think about these a little bit more. The first one I came up with was the uh, backstory in Shore Leave. Everyone, especially Kirk, has some kind of unresolved issues, you know, with love and with being picked on years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was uh, kind of a subtle subplot to help us get to know Kirk a little bit better. Sulu has a fascination with guns, old old weapons Which and things. Which is weird, isn't it? That was weird, but but kind of a cool way to, to help bring that character more to life. Yeah, and we see McCoy kind of romancing the yeoman, a young yeoman on there. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, they, they mixed in all these characters and stuff and made you realize you're learning a little bit more uh, about these characters. I think they just did a great job doing that. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Dan, do you have a special backstory that you want to discuss? Dana, yeah, Space Seed. Easy backstory on this one. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So the reason we're laughing is I had to cut out like 10 minutes of me mumbling and not making any sense. So hopefully this one will make a little more sense. But it wasn't a ramble. So let's just make that clear. No, it was definitely not a ramble. There was nothing funny in it. I just couldn't put two thoughts together. So in Space Seed, the backstory that we get is that Khan and his people had escaped Earth after what they called the eugenics war. And they had gotten into a spaceship, got off the planet, went into suspended animation, and then they're found by the Enterprise. But we learn this very cool history of the Earth between like the 1990s and the early 2000s when Khan and his people leave Earth about this major conflict, what that world war is going to look like. I just really thought that was a cool backstory to Dana. I thought about that. Seemed kind of obvious to me, so I didn't want to discuss it. (laughs) (laughs) So Dana, do you have another one that you want to talk about? Errand of Mercy kind of layers to this episode. And I think the one that really stuck out to me is how warriors thrive on war. And I include Kirk in that. And even when peace is offered and easily attainable, the warriors still want war. Yeah, it was kind of like an anti-war statement and stuff, but the persistence of Kirk to, you know, get these people ready to fight a battle against the Klingons. And then the Klingons come in and it's like, we'll just kill people and we're going to destroy the Federation. And the whole front of the story is that these people that are on the planet are total peace lovers, you know, and they are not concerned about all this stuff. And they're like, yeah, well, you know, we'll, we'll manage, we'll be okay. And uh, so the, to me, the real backstory of that was, you know, how these other two factions are trying to have a war, you know? Right. And it's just, it's, uh, and these guys just won't let them do it. Yeah. Dan, I think you want to talk a little bit about conscience of the King. Do you think you can, uh, (laughs) I'll try to, I'll try to do it this time. Yeah. This is when I had a hard time with, I'm just going to say this. (laughs) In that episode, we learned that Kirk had been witness to this brutal tyrant called Konos the Executioner and had had seen people murdered uh, by this guy Konos. 
I think it really helps us understand Kirk maybe a little bit more that he had this in his background, this idea for maybe justice or in some cases, maybe even revenge. That backstory helped us understand Kirk as a character. Well, you didn't do any of these cold opens. Because I would have had to go back and listen to them all. Yeah, but, <laughs> but it's only 15 seconds. Like, And you only have to start with number, I think it's number six, maybe, maybe number five. Uh-huh. I listened to them all today. I, by the way, some of those are just hilarious. I wasn't able to get back and go through them all, but you've got some we can discuss. All right. So here is the third place. Are we recording? Well, yes, it's recording, Dana. Can you see the freaking thing? It's flashing red. I don't have a, oh, that little thing up there. It says two minutes and 44 seconds. That's, <laughs> I never paid attention to that before. <laughs> What'd you think of that one, Dana? You know, you tricked me. <laughs> uh, you were hiding the red light from me. Never told me about it before. So it uh, uh, wasn't fair. I know. Um, it wasn't fair. <laughs> but no, I, Dan, we have a, a great time. We laugh at a lot of things. Sometimes uh, I laugh at you and sometimes you laugh at more often than not, you laugh at me. But yeah, Well, so. what, what I like <laughs> about this, though, Dana, is that when we start laughing, sometimes we cannot stop laughing. And <laughs> yeah. we got to cut a lot of it out, obviously. But um, but I think it just shows, like, for me anyway, the joy that we have. I don't know if it shows that to the listeners. Hopefully it does. But to me, it shows, like, the um, the joy that we have when we, when we do this show. So true. Uh, second place. This one, uh, well, we'll talk about it uh, after I play it. So this is second place. Let's say the sh- let's say the shuttlecraft ran on cheese, Dana. What kind of cheese would it be? Limburger. It'd have to be a stinky cheese. Spock, will you cut some cheese? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're killing me. What do you think of that one? <laughs> oh, that's probably like one of the nicest things we ever said that uh, you're able to cut out. Classic. You know, you throw these things out at me that I'm just not expecting. Uh, like, what kind of cheese does a shuttlecraft run on? Uh, still makes me laugh. Well, it was a um, great answer. Like, what answer could be better than that? You had a great answer. <laughs> well, you, you keep me on my toes, that's for sure. So, <laughs> All right. So this one I thought was number one. Yeah, this person was a little offended when I said masseuse, and they said, no, massage therapist. And so I put my pants back on. (laughs) (laughs) The the reason I love that one so much, Dana, is the laughing that you're doing. It's like you cannot stop laughing. (laughs) And I think I had to cut out a bunch of the laughing we did and it's really infectious. Like if people listen to that, they can hear us both just really out of control <laughs> laughing, I think. I tell my friends this all the time that uh, I think there might have been one episode that I didn't cry in. And I, when I say cry, I mean, I have tears in my eyes from laughing so hard. And sometimes in some of the episodes, and that was probably one, I uh, teared up two or three times because <laughs> we were laughing so hard. So, Well, I, our listeners probably cry a lot too, Dana, but it might be for a different <laughs> reason. I'm not sure. <laughs> Why am I listening to this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah one of our friends uh, comment that they said, uh, you guys are always saying something in the beginning, but it's really low. I don't always hear it. And I said, well, turn up the volume. I said, it's, it's probably the best part of the show. It's just the cold <laughs> open. <laughs> uh, let's move on, Dana. Which was your favorite 
podcast. That's tough. I, I did go back and listen to a couple that I was thinking of. You know, when we did What Are Little Girls Made Of? I felt like we hit our stride. We were probably uh, more relaxed, more willing to uh, say things we probably shouldn't. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. The whole stalactite thing, yeah. which we couldn't seem to get away from. And I think that's also, uh, didn't Uranus come about in that episode as well? <laughs> probably did. Uh, <laughs> so we had so much fun with that episode. It's one of my my favorites. Yeah. You know, it's funny. We did these lists independently of each other. That was also one of my favorites, also because of the stalactite. And I think you're right. We started to, you know, as far as like the pacing of the show and what we were talking about, our ability to, or really your ability, Dana, to condense the episode to so that it makes sense, not only to the listeners, but to me, because, you know, sometimes <laughs> I watch the episode usually the day we do the podcast, but I've forgotten about it, you know, a few hours later for that night. But anyway, you have this really good ability to... To, to condense the episode so that it makes sense. How about another one for you? Devil in the Dark. Again, we had a lot of fun with it, starting off with Schmitter. Mm -hmm. And many of our Facebook followers uh, are now using Schmitter the correct way, uh, I should say. <laughs> That's right, they are. We had a lot of fun with that episode. There were some great things in it. Just hard to uh, not like all the fun that we had with it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I think people are, as you said, they are starting to use the Schmitter reference appropriately now, as in, uh, you know, yeah, you guys are just full of Schmidt. So maybe that's uh, the, appropriate, yeah. <laughs> the appropriate reference. Anyway, yeah, totally agree. That was what, like six episodes ago or so, and we've carried on the Schmitter reference into all the way through the last episode that we did. And as I mentioned before, I'm pretty sure we're going to carry it into the second season as well. Hey, well, let, you know, we, we've kind of alluded to this a little bit, but let's maybe do a little bit of a behind the scenes look at the podcast. You know, let's, let's pull the curtain back a little bit, Dana, and let our listeners know how we do this thing. How do we do it, Dan? Well, it's a mess, Dana. It's just a mess. <laughs> But how we, how do we do it? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. So why don't you talk about your uh, process before we get together for the recording of the episode? Sit down in the morning, uh, usually on Sunday, because unlike some people, I work for a living. Well, Dana, uh, it's not that I don't work. <laughs> it's just that I don't have a job. Wait, is that the same thing? <laughs> <laughs> you're not getting paid for the work you do. That's right. It's all what you're uh, saying. Yeah, it's philanthropic. That's what that's. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a philanthropist. There you go. Philanthropic beer drinker. Yeah. But, oh, uh, yeah, that's true. I do drink beer and I uh, I do a lot of philanthropying after I drink it. <laughs> Watch it on Sunday mornings usually and uh, take notes. I reference uh, Memory Alpha quite a bit to make sure I've, I've got things correct, like the spelling of names. Or I wish they would say sometimes how to pronounce the names because I can't get it from the show. I'm I watching. Know. Yes, you know, so. gosh, that has been <laughs> an issue for both of us. And then when I'm done, I go back and say, you know, oh, what was my favorite parts of the show? What were some of the dilemmas? And then uh, I actually go online and read more of what people say about the show. Uh, that's the majority of it, Dan. You do all of the the recapping of the show. You write that entire thing and um and I, I, as I said, I do appreciate that. You do all the uh, work on the editing and uh, that's what makes us a team work well together to uh, bring it all out. Well, one of the other behind the scenes things, Dana, is a lot of this is totally organic. Like we'll be doing a show and something will come up and then it just hangs around. For example, the Ramble Jar. People have been commenting that we haven't been talking about the Ramble Jar as much and they're pointing out our rambles for us and that, you know... <laughs> 
this should have gone in the red. This should have been the ramble. I think people think we're going to share the money with them or something. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's probably all the behind the scenes people will want to know about this show. It's probably more than they wanted to know, Dana. (laughs) What about the idea of a podcast drinking game for our our listeners? Maybe if there's a reason to call a Schmetter in an episode, we could turn that into a drinking game. Like in the alternative factor, that could have been full of Schmitter. Oh, yeah. Because it was full of Schmidt. Yeah. We could have called it out and said, you know, that's just total Schmitter. And maybe we could even pull the audio of the leader of the miner saying, Schmitter. <laughs> and every time we do, we just hit the Schmitter button. So, so are we the ones drinking? Because if we're the ones drinking, Dana, we're not going to make it through the episode. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, it might make it better for our audience uh, if they're the ones drinking. Yeah, if so they, uh, they got Schmidt because they would <laughs> they'd be like, yeah, thankfully, I can't remember the episode. I'm glad I yeah. did the drinking game. And, you know, the, the show airs on Friday, so uh, mm-hmm. people would have the whole weekend to recover. They're not listening to it in the morning or doing shots on their drive into work or anything. Yeah, that would be a problem if people listen to it on the way to work or the way home. Well, maybe not the way home. Well, we don't <laughs> we don't want to encourage people to drink and drive. That's not that's we're not doing. Yeah, that. no. But this could be. Yeah, they're at home. It's a Friday night. Yeah, that's a great idea, yeah. Dana. What do you want? What's we've had a couple people say they start off their date night listening to us. I don't even know where to start with that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had no idea we were uh, we had that romantic effect on people. So is our show an aphrodisiac? <laughs> I can only speak for my household, and uh, the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> so Dana, another idea that we had moving forward had to do with merchandise. Why don't you talk about that? A friend of mine asked me if we had T-shirts, and I said nope. And he said, if people could help you get them made by uh, giving you money to put their name on your T-shirt. So we could have our logo on the front and on the back, we could have uh, people's names, name of the businesses, things like that. We could even have like catchphrases from the show. You're full of Schmidt. And holy stalactite. And yeah. holy- so. <laughs> oh, there's so many we could do, Dana, from the first season. I think yeah. it's a great idea. I love this idea. Yeah. To make all this work, we need a website. Yeah. And so if any of our listeners would be willing to create create us for free because <laughs> we don't get paid for this. <laughs> like we got to pay. We're not getting paid for this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we do have to pay, right? You, 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 you bought the business cards. We got to pay for the recording service uh, to upload stuff onto the various podcast platforms. We got to pay for that. We're going to have to pay when Paramount sues us. Uh, we're going to have to pay when uh, the Roddenberry family sues us. Yeah. But yeah, if any listeners out there want to uh, volunteer to create us a website, uh, we'd love to hear from you. So, Dana, what other ideas or requests have we actually had from our listeners? Well, believe it or not, Dan, some people have asked to uh, see us actually doing our show. No, no, I don't I don't believe that. <laughs> yeah. A few people have commented, uh, are you guys doing your show live anywhere? When we started doing YouTube, I had people say, oh, you've got video of you doing your podcast. And I said, no, thank God. <laughs> so we're, we're toying with the idea of uh, putting out a video of us doing a show and we need stand-ins who somebody would make us look better. So, uh, <laughs> Who would you choose for yourself? Somebody kind of like me in a way, like Brad Pitt, I don't know, George Clooney. Yeah. <laughs> George Clooney's probably more like me if he if he was bald and overweight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. How about you? Roseanne Barr, I think. <laughs> 
with a shaved head. <laughs> with yeah. shaved head. So, well, we'll see what we can work out. People should be careful what they ask for. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, you also had an idea for a calendar, didn't you? <laughs> well, you know, like those fireman calendars, you know, the hot fireman from San Francisco or, you know, New Orleans or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I thought uh, you and I could do a beefcake calendar. So uh. I, I, I think the calendar we should do is, yeah, no shirts, just like they do in those calendars, <laughs> except we're holding some type of Star Trek paraphernalia. Like a stalactite? <laughs> could be. Could be a stalactite. That's a different kind of calendar. Yeah. <laughs> no, it could be like, you know, a, a, a communicator, the tricorder, Spock's ears could be wearing Spock's ears. Like on our, on our nipples, that would be funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've heard of pointy nipples, but that's uh, that's different. <laughs> you know, we've seen Shatner's nipples in... Can we say nipples? We can say nipples. We've seen Shatner's nipples in the show. Yeah, this isn't 1960s television, so no, no, we can no, say no. nipples. So. <laughs> well, they, they probably couldn't say nipple, but we saw Shatner's nipples yeah. in, in Charlie X. Yeah. But we've never seen Nimoy's nipples. Nimoy's nipples. It sounds like some kind of Nimoy's nipples. Some kind of snack. It sounds like a snack. Nimoy's nipples. It's going to go on a t-shirt. No snack I'm going to try. But, uh, yeah. Well, no, it would be it'd kind of be like, uh, it would kind of be like pork rinds, except Nimoy's <laughs> Or not, yeah. Uh. Well, I mean, you use everything else on a pig. Why not use its nipple and make some money? I think the Nimoy family is going to sue us now. So, that's, uh. <laughs> well, pig's ears kind of look like Spock's ears, right? They're kind of pointy, like kind of, kind of. Yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. I was just going to something. <laughs> So, Dana, really what it boils down to is we got lots of great ideas <laughs> for stuff to do. We are idea people, if nothing yeah. else. Yeah, if, if nothing else is right. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, what about next week? Next week, Dan, we're going to have Steve Miller, the former council person from Riverside, Iowa, who came up with the idea of declaring Riverside as the future birthplace of Captain James T. Kirk. And it's a fascinating interview. I think our listeners will have a lot of fun listening to that. And then the uh, following week, not to get too far ahead of us, uh, we have plans to talk to Travis Regan, who's the chairman of the Trek Fest committee. Kind of try to sneak in the idea that maybe two guys that do a podcast about Star Trek could be, I don't know, parade marshals for the next Trek Fest. So <laughs> that'd be great. That'd be great. You yeah. know what has to happen first before they before they ever ask us to do that? What's that, Dan? Every character from every iteration of Star Trek has to die. <laughs> so we're completely out of uh, <laughs> chance of anybody stepping in front of us. Yeah. All right. Hey, I had a great time tonight. It was fun going through that first season and uh, have a great rest of your week. Much fun as we had in this first season. Makes me look forward to what we got coming forward in uh, season two. And that's just going to be about three weeks away, Dan. Let's keep it going. Until we meet again, live long and prosper. Thanks once again for listening to Damn It Jim, the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Please send us an email at dammitjimpodcast at gmail.com or join the discussion on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube. Make sure to join us next week for a very special episode with Steve Miller, the man who came up with the idea of declaring Riverside, Iowa as the future birthplace of Captain James T. Kirk. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week, and remember to live long and prosper.